Tradition versus reason. Um, we have a, a wonderful piece of learning today, and we're going to have two important people from 19th century Germany join us uh, as we learn from the story that the Gemara tells us uh, an interesting approach to the question of, of, of when, do, when do you ask a Shiloh? There are times when it's not the best thing to even ask a Shiloh. Uh, when are those times? When do you ask a Shiloh and when don't you ask a Shiloh? So we're still dealing with this machlok at Beis Hillel and Beis Shammai as to whether the tzara of an erva is mutal to the, to the brothers. So a, a man dies, his wife Uh, with our children, his wife is an erva to his brother. She's not a lesser. For example, he married his niece. Uh, the person who would do yabam is the deceased's brother. The deceased, deceased brother is the father of the deceased's widow. So she can't do yabam with him. But if he had other wives, what, are, what is their status? Machlokas, Beis Hillel and Beis Shammai. Beis Hillel says... Um, She's not allowed to the brothers, therefore, no yibum, no chalitza. She's treated the same way as the, as the first wife is treated. Mm -hmm. And Beis Shammai says there could be yibum and there could be chalitza, and that creates all the difficulties in, in yichus that we've been discussing these last, few, these last few days. The Chachomim are very disturbed because uh, Rabbi Dosa ben Hirchinas, and we're going to learn, we're going to get to know Rabbi Dosa ben, ben Hirchinas, uh, they heard it. At that period of time, they were allowing the Tzorah of the Bat. In other words, again, the, the, the co-wife of an, of an erva, let's say she's the daughter of the of the deceased's brother, they were allowing these women uh, to, to do yibum, which means they needed chalitza. They couldn't marry out to, to anybody else unless they had chalitza, which is the way Beis Shammai was holding, and that creates all sorts of difficulties. They were very concerned because Rabbi Dosa ben Hirkinas, um, who was uh, the brother, uh, uh, the, the, because they were concerned that, that his brother, Rabbi Dosa ben Hirkinas' brother, was paskening like Beis Shammai and was instituting halakha like Beit Shammai, which causes enormous confusion in the community, as we've discussed in terms of the, of the Yuxin. So they get really upset. Rabbi Dosa ben is an elderly man, very old, doesn't come to the base of Medrash anymore, he can't move, he's losing eyesight, and they decide to send three Chachomim to go and speak to him about this and try and get things straightened out. They send Rabbi Yeshua, Rabbi Loza ben Azari, and Rabbi Akiva. Imagine what a delegation goes to the old man, to Rabbi Dosa ben Hirkinas, and they say, they get involved, They discussed halacha with him, and eventually they came around to the issue of the machlokit Beit Hillel and Beit Shammai. He's, they say, who's the halacha? Who, he says, this is a machlokit. They ask him a shayla. They say, who's the halacha? Like, he says, Beis Hillel, of course. He says, but we heard that you said Beis Shammai. He says, what did you hear exactly? Did you hear that Dosa ben Harkinus said it, or just ben Harkinus? Did you hear the last name, or did you hear the first name and the last name? They said, no, we just heard the last name. He said, it's my brother. I've got a very, a very uh, mischievous brother who's brilliant, uh, and he calls him a little devil, my little devil, the, my little brother. He paskins like Beis Shammai, and nobody can change his mind. And best you don't engage with him because he will bring you 300 proofs that he's right. And the Gemara says they kind of sneak out of the house out of different doors so as not to encounter this this uh, satanic brother, uh, in case he'll get, engage them, Rabbi Akiva, in fact, does engage him, and so on. Um, 
the important thing that we've got to look at is uh, is a question that the Oruch Lanayr asked, and we'll come to it at the end, uh, and that is, who cares if 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 he can prove to them with three hundred proofs that Allah is like Beishamai, then truly Allah is like Beishamai. Why do they avoid him to to uh, because they don't want to find out the truth? What what is the avoidance of this engagement with this little satanic brother of Rabbi Rabbi Dosa ben ben Herkinas? So Rabbi Dosim and Herkenes in fact says it. He says, the problem is we have a tradition that on this very stone, and he points to a, to a stone, a millstone there, he says, Chagai Hanovi sat on this stone here in my yard, and he paskened three halochas that were not accepted by everybody, but he was very clear. Chagai Hanovi. Uh, the three things were on Tarat Habat Asurad, that Halach is like Beis Hillel and not like Beis in this case, that Amon and Moav, that the areas surrounding where Jordan is today, uh, you take Meiser Oni during the Shemitah year, also a complicated thing that not everybody holds, um, and we accept Gerim from the Karduyin and the Tarmudim. Also a question, there were rapes there, there was mixtures of Jews and Gentiles and slaves, and we don't know exactly what the yichas is, but Chagah Novi said we accept Geirim from there. It's just interesting, I bring at the bottom, where is, uh, where is Karduyan? Uh, Karduyan is, is like Kurds, that's where Kurdistan is. Isn't it interesting? It goes right back to the Gemara's time. And how we know that is, Steinsels points it out in the notes, quite an amazing uh, observation. If you look in Parshas Noach on Haray Ararat, which we know is in that, in that area, in that Kurdistan Turkish area, Iraq, Kurdish, that just on that border, Unkelis translates it, Al-Turei Kardo. Ararat is Kurdistan, and that's the Kardon that they're talking about because Jews went there and there was a, a questions with Yuxin, and according to some there, we assume that there's a lot of Mamzerut over there, but Chagai obviously said, don't worry about that, we accept Gairim from there. But what's important is that he, among the other things Chagai said was Tzarat Habat Asura, that the co-wife of the Erva cannot marry the brothers. There can be no yibum. Since there can be no yibum, there need not be any chalitza, and they're free to marry outside of the outside of that family. So, in order to understand this whole thing, we need to understand a bit more about Rabbi Dosa ben Herkinas. Firstly, he was incredibly wealthy, and we know that because when this delegation came to see them, uh, Rabbi Yeshua went in first. He put him. He gave him to sit to sit down on a golden couch. So this is not exactly a home that's uh, that's struggling for for Panos. It's very he was very wealthy, and he says in Pirkei Ovis, Sheinashol Shachrit veYainshol Tzorayim veSichat Yeladim veYeshivat BeTeknisiot Shalamei Aretz, eating, sleeping late, and drinking wine during the daytime, and hanging out with young people, and sitting in the shuls of Ameratzim and and, and talking, Motzim et Adam in Aolam, they destroy your life. That this wealthy man gives this gives this advice. What's very beautiful, and I've just included it because it's such a classical, important piece of the Tiferet Yisrael, Rabbi Yisrael Lifshitz, Tiferet Yisrael writes this unbelievable um, perush on the whole of Mishnayos, the Tiferet Yisrael, you can, can't really move in Mishnayos without the Tiferet Yisrael complementing the work of the Rav and the, and the um, Tosfos Yomtev. Uh, and Rabbi Yisrael Lifshitz is a 19th century German intellect, not just an enormous Talmud Chacham, but a very broad intellect. And he goes through this on Rabbi Dosim and Hechines, and he says, Zachar dalad varim, shetsuchim ma'od lebriyut ha'gufu la'ashlamat ha'adam. These four things that he mentions are very necessary. Va'afilu hachi, kishuloi zaheba hen ya'abed al yadana olamo. But you've got to be careful in quantities. 
It's not that these are things you must ban from your life. You need them in your life. And he goes through and he says, Shena Shashakri is generally just being too leisurely, taking things too easily. And sometimes you need it, but not too much. And wine, important to have some wine. It's a wonderful drink. It's, it uplifts you. It's good, but not too much because that dis disturbs your mind. And having sikhat yiladim means just social talk, small talk. It's just a little bit of that is good. It, it, it brings pleasure and joy and uplifts you. There's nothing wrong with hanging out and talking about semi-trivial things. But he says, do it with clever people. Do it with smart people. Don't do your small talk with, with um, people who've got nothing to talk about. Even the small talk should be with people who themselves are tamid chachomim. And hanging around in the shuls and the marketplaces, it's good sometimes to have small talk with your friends. There's nothing wrong with that. It's so wonderful to face this road. No, 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 it's good. Because it doesn't require intellectual absorption. It's escapism. You can just relax while you're talking and engaging. You don't have to be thinking and breaking your hand. Head and that that brings relaxation. It's it's like like sleeping. It's it's good for you. But that's you, you do that with intellects. Do that with tamidichachomim. Do that with people who even when they do have small talk, there's what to learn from them. So choose your company carefully. It doesn't say don't have small talk. Choose who you have small talk with. So again, the Tiferes Yisrael, just blending it into life and saying, look at Rabbi Yochanan and Rabbi Dosa ben Hirkinus, who was this wealthy man. It's not as if he never did these things. Says the Tiferes Yisrael, of course he did these things, but he did these things in careful measure. And that's what he's advising us to do. So that's a bit of Rabbi Yochanan ben Rabbi Hukinus, Rabbi Dosa ben Hukinus. But it goes further. If we look at the famous uh, Mishnah at the end of the second parak of um, Of, of Rosh Hashanah. That was the famous case where the two witnesses came and they gave evidence that they saw the new moon and the next day there was no sight of the new moon. And the Rebbein Gamliel accepted their evidence because they he cross-examined, they came, he, he did all the things you're supposed to do and they passed the tests. So these are Edim, so he declared Rosh Chodesh. Um, and, and Rabbi Dosa ben Hirkina said, how can you do that? You've... Um, You're accepting it's Rosh Chodesh, and the next day it's like saying a, a, a woman is, uh, has had a baby, and the next day she's still pregnant. How, how does that work? And Rabbi Yeshua, so we've got the same relationship. Rabbi Yeshua already has a relationship with Rabbi Dosa ben Hikides. Roy Anias Dvarecha says, yeah, I agree with you. And then there's the whole story of, of now that Rosh Chodesh is on two different days. Rabbi, Rabbi Yeshua and Rabbi Dosa ben Hikides have one day, and Rabbi Gamliel has another day. And Rabbi Gamliel decrees that he wants Rabbi Yeshua to come and visit him with his purse and his stick on Yom Kippur as it works out on, in Rabbi Yeshua's ca calendar. But it isn't so on Rabbi Gamliel's. So he went to Rabbi Dosa ben Hurkanus to ask him what to do. Rabbi Dosa ben Hurkanus says, uh, Even though I agree that Rabbi Gamliel shouldn't have accepted those witnesses, but he did. And if you're going to question the Psak of Raman Gamliel's Beisdin, you're going to question the Psak of every Beisdin throughout history. You can't work like that. Once a Beisdin has made a Psak, that's the Halacha, even if the physical reality is against that. Even if you can see the next day there's no new moon, can't you see that couldn't have been Rosh Chodesh? But there was a Psak and therefore we, we follow the Psak. That's the, the worldview of Rabbi Dosa ben, ben Hirkinus. And with that, one can understand it um, a, a little bit more clearly. And we'll do the Oruch Lanael. Oruch Lanael is Rabbi Yaakov Etlinger, also a brilliant Talmud Chochem and incredible intellect of the 19th century. Both of them German, Tiferes Israel and, 
and and uh, same period, both of them in Germany. I just put this because I found it so so fascinating. Dorich Lenner was also a musician. He was a master of music. He was a master of Kabbalah. Um, and he composed a tune for Mao's Tzu. And I found the tune on YouTube. It's worth listening to it. I put the link in the in the uh, in the sources. The um, because the tune that we sing Mao's Tzu is actually a Crusaders march. I don't know how it ever became to be the tune for Mao's Tzu, but that's what everybody uses. It was a Crusaders march. But Rabiakov Etlinger composed the most beautiful, hauntingly beautiful tune for, for Maus Tzur, and, and, and we have it. So it's, uh, it's certainly worth listening to. Anyway, so he asks, um, so, so, so why, is, why is Rabbi Dosser ben Hukin is so worried that they might bump into his little brother and be persuaded that halachas like Beishamai being persuaded with 300 proofs? What's so wrong with finding out the truth? Why don't they just say to Rabbi, Rabbi Dosa ben Hurkunas, it's fine, we'll be happy to meet your brother if he can convince us, we'll accept it. We're looking for the truth. So here you've got a situation where there's, there's a tension here. Rabbi Dosa ben Hurkunas, who is the one who says, don't forget, that even if facts are against Rabbi Gamliel, once he's paskened, you follow his psak. That Rabbi Dosa ben Hurkunus is now saying, don't go and don't engage with my little brother because he will convince you that Halach is like Beishamai. So what? If he convinces you that Halach is like Beishamai, so what? So then you pass like Beishamai. No, says Rabbi Yudabin, we've got a tradition against that. Already back to the time of Chagai, he sat here in my yard generations ago, but it happened to be right here. And he paskened, and we've got that tradition, that in this matter we go, as, as Beit Hillel paskened, even long before the time of Beit Hillel, that, that psak was already in place before the machloket of Beit Hillel and Beit Shammai. We have a tradition with that. Okay, so we have a tradition, but what happens if 300 proofs that the tradition is wrong? Uh, this is very similar to the whole difference of worldview between the Chazunish in, in, when he came to Israel and, and the, and the Briskers and other in Yerushalayim. It was a Yerushalayim B'nai Brak dispute of an approach to Halacha. The Chazunish held that we can't keep on going by the traditions that people came to Europe with or from parts of North Africa. We've got to stop. We've got to look at Halacha afresh and we've got to find out what the actual Halacha is. And, and uh, the Briskers and others would say, you yeah, know, we've got traditions. You don't have to look at, uh, analyze. And we see that here as well. Rabbi Dosa ben, ben, um, ben Hukunus is saying, don't get involved in the halachic, in the halachic issue, because if you do, you will have to paskin like the halacha. So here you get the whole approach. It's not which is right. If you, if you reason out halachically against a tradition, we had an example of that in our learning on Shabbos morning. In the in the Shulchan Aruch I gave you an example of um, in in my own case where I go through the sugi and I come out a particular way which isn't the way my father did it. So so what do you do when you've got a mesorah one way and, and and halachically clearly you hold a different way? Once you've got that far that halachically you hold different, you have to follow the halacha. The question is, Rabbi Yochanan ben Rabbi Dosa ben Hikina says to them, "Don't go there. Don't get involved with my brother because he will." bring you to a position where you will have to paskin that way. And that will mean you're paskining against Beis Hillel, against Haggai. Don't do that. 
There are certain things, don't go there, don't ask anything, because when you ask a Shaila, you ask a Shaila when you don't know something. But when you do know something, you don't ask a Shaila just for fun. You ask a Shaila when you don't know. And Ramon Soloveitchik used to say to me always, there are things that you know because Sha'ala vichel v'yagedecha, your father told you so. If your father told you so, your grandfather, your great-grandfather, if they've taught you that, don't ask Shailas. That's how you do it. And what happens if the Chazanish goes through it and comes out la'alocha that, that that's not the way to do it? Well, now if you've gone and asked the Chazanish a Shaila, you're in trouble. Now you've got to follow the Chazanish and you've got to act against your own family tradition. That's a problem. But that's what you would have to do. Says Rabbi Yochanan, says Rabbi Dosa ben Hirkinus, don't go there. Don't, in, don't engage in the Shaila. You don't need to ask anything. You've got a Mesorah from Chagai Hanovi. What more do you need to know that Haloch is like Beis Hillel? Don't get involved with the Lomdim. Don't get involved with the Shailas and Chuvas. You don't have a Shaila. Why would you want a Chuva if you don't have a Shaila? And that's so important because we just sometimes we just ask Shailas for the fun of it or because of the intellectual, uh, of the intellectual aspect of it. It's... Um, we, we don't do that. A shaila is when you don't have a Masoda for it. There's no, there's no clear way, or the, the situation that you're facing is different from the one that your Masoda teaches you, or you don't have a Masoda, then you have, to, you have to go into the halakhic reasoning. But when you have something that your family has done, we're talking about when your family are Shomrei Torah Mitzvahs, we're not talking about families that have gone off the derech, but families that are Shomrei Torah Mitzvot, families of, of Tamid Chachamim, and there's a way to do things. Why are you asking Shailas? What, what is your Shaila? You need to know when something is not a question. Just as you need to know when to ask a question, you also need to know when something is not a question. And that's something not only in, in halacha where it's very applicable, but of course it's something in life as well. Not everything is a question that you've got to analyze and do and figure out and look up in Google and go through all the data. Sometimes you don't need that. Sometimes things are obvious. You can use seichel, you can use common sense, you can use the, the tradition, you can use your, way, your worldview, your own philosophy. Not everything has to be data-based. When you start going into the data, all sorts of things, you can find out all sorts of things which can, can, can cause havoc in, in your life. If you're not sure, if you, if you have good reason for Sophic, then of course you have to go into it. But if you have no Sophic, because that's how you were raised, that's how you were brought up, why are you asking Shailas? Why are you introducing questions into it? And that we see from uh, the Oracle Nair's answer on the Sugiyo Nadav. No 